Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm Alice Stockton-Rossini. Join us here every Saturday night at 8 o'clock or listen to our podcast anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, just to name a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. Olivia Grace got an early start as a writer at the age of 15, and that was just a few years ago. Now she's published her book, The Kingdom of Fable, Book One. And between your love of reading and experimenting on various platforms, you seem to be finding your way. You know, I was kind of the type of kid that, you know, adored reading. I read, I literally, instead of going out and hanging out with friends, I would stay home and read and you know, I always loved writing. I would, you know, create little stories for my little stuffed animals when I was like 10. I would tell my mom these crazy stories that I had come up with. And I was like, you know what, why don't you just, you know, it was a thought. Maybe I could really try writing. And, you know, luckily the world now has so many free platforms and open platforms today. And uh, that's how I kind of got my footing as a writer and how I found people who were going to give um, good feedback and even helped me become a better author as time went on. And I could start to see my writing grow from, you know, being 16 to being 19. And people don't understand that, like, you know, in three years, your, your writing really truly does change as you mature and grow older. And it's crazy to go back and see, like, something I wrote when I was 16 and something I wrote now. But that's kind of how I got my footing as a writer was writing on free platforms. So you write on these platforms and then you get feedback? Yeah, so it's a chapter by chapter kind of update system. And you can put your books on these platforms and people can comment on it and give you feedback or they can comment on it and say they like the story. Um, a lot of the times I got feedback or I got people saying, oh my gosh, this story is great. I wish that like, I had a paperback version of this book. And they'll give me feedback like, this was great, but, you know, you really could work on this, this, and this going forward. And it kind of helps you kind of take a step back and read it from an outside point of view because I'm one of those people. I, you know, every artist hates their creation. Uh, I don't hate my books. When I see my books, I'm like, oh, I could have done this. And I could have done that. And what about this? And I could have done that. But I don't, I'm not one of those artists that hate their creations, thank God. And you don't worry about anybody stealing your idea? That was actually something that I did come across and that I did battle. Um, and it was only when I started getting published that this all like started happening. I got picked up by Fulton Books and uh, literally like a month later, I got a message from, you know, one of the readers that has been reading my books since I was 16. It was like, hey, I found your book on this app. And I was like, oh. So I would go and I found it on the e-reader app. And then I found it on four different apps where I had not given permission for them to place it on it. And the e-reader app was probably one of the hardest ones to get off because they kept telling me, oh, we have been, we have gotten permission to post this book. I was like, no, you didn't. So I had to, I had to tell them like, either you take it down or I'm going to get my lawyers involved. And they finally sent me a message like, we have deleted this book. That's crazy. It is. And I actually even had somebody on that free platform, on that free forum, steal my book. Yeah. A lot of people, especially people who write sci-fi, 
tend to get on these websites where they're sharing ideas, sharing character development, and they find it really helpful in developing plots, developing dialogue. But it makes me wonder, doesn't it make it easier to steal somebody's stuff? Here's the thing. And both of the apps that I use swear that they are up on copyright. I will tell you that I did kind of have difficulty with one of the apps because I had it on app number one and that was the first app I posted on. This was like early days of the book too, even before I thought, oh God, I'm going to get this published one day. And I actually had it on that app for like a few months before I had put it on app number two. Well, turns out somebody had taken it from app number one and posted it on app number two. So when I went to their copyright team on app number two saying, hey, this is mine. It's, it's in the process of getting published. They said, well, because they posted it a few months before you posted yours, it looks like you stole their work. Oh, I said, um, but here's the thing. I have the whole book. They only have up to a certain amount of chapters because I took the book off. Well, is anybody making money? So the apps were making money, which is why they took it off as quickly as they did, because I mentioned the word fraud and illegal and lawyers. And they're like, oh, huh. How many books have you published? I, this is my first book I've ever published, like it's... through a publishing house. OK, but you have other books out there. Yes, I have a few other books that are finished. I, I don't really know if I ever plan on getting those books published. I really want to focus on a like fantasy genre. So, so I have two books on a reading app that you pay for called Galaxy, and I do get paid for those. Oh. And then I have this series that I'm working on that I've gotten published through Fulton that, you know, has taken up my whole world. Because let me tell you, I've been doing nothing but writing since I got this, you know, since I got picked up by them. And so I just, I'm so grateful for everything that they've done for me it's it's still crazy to me to be like to walk up to somebody and be like you know i'm a published author right <laughs> it feels good right it's it's the best feeling especially because you know i had such a different plan for my life and you know writing is just one of those things that you know they they, they tell you never do you know your hobby or never do your the thing that makes you happy because you know as a job well sometimes you can't make any money at it for me I told my mom, look, I got to figure something out because, you know, I was in cosmetology school and I just wasn't feeling it. And it just, it wasn't for me. It wasn't, you know, something that fed my soul. Right. So I took a three month sabbatical from school and I told my mom, I was like, I think I want to try and get published. And she said, well, you know, Liv, I really want you to have something to fall back on if this doesn't work out. And I told her, I said, I don't need a second option. And she told me, yes, you do. And I said, no, mom, I don't because failure is not an option for me. And it's never been an option for me. And I reached out to publishers and didn't hear anything. And I was like, oh, Lord, I have a month and a half left before I have to figure this out. Finally, Fulton reached back. And so I got approved within like three days. What, what is your book about? So my book is about a young girl who has to go through rejection. And, you know, I'm one of those people that think that everybody has to go through rejection at some point in their life. And she is faced with somebody who was made for her. Her soulmate rejects her. And she has to go through the rejection process. And uh, it's more than just, you know, a few words. It's more than just, you know, we're no longer soulmates. I'll see you later. 
it's you know a medicine an elixir a ceremony and like this entire process like rips your soul away from your soulmates Whoa. and it's a, it's a werewolf book if i don't know if you could tell if it was a werewolf book but <laughs> and this guy who is somebody that is supposed to help her through it he is the only other person in this world who has ever survived a rejection ceremony because you know these rejection ceremonies are so intense that you know madness death are often you know what comes out of it and he comes through to help her through this time where she has to you know say goodbye to what you know has been repeated to her her entire life you know turn 18 meet your mate you know move out start living your life have kids it's just something that's very repetitive so you know there's no worries about it it's something that was guaranteed in her life that she was going to have somebody there who loved her and supported her and was there for her through her, her entire life was not and through all of this there is somebody else who has his eyes on our girl here and you know a war is on the horizon and you know she's truly at like the center of it all and it's just like will she save the world or will she destroy it all right and this is book one how many books do you have i am planning for six i'm working on two right now and i finished one yay so I'm planning for six. There might be either more or less. It just depends on like when I get to towards the end, if I want to wrap it up there or if I want to choose a different, you know, story to follow. It is an anthology series. So it does follow two different main characters and two different people, every single book, but all of the books do connect in one way or another. Okay. So now you got to get people to buy them. Oh gosh. So so when it first came out, I was telling everybody that I could that I was friends with. You know, I play video games. I was telling everybody that I play video games with, hey, my book is out and you can buy it. And, you know, I've had so many amazing people in my life who have supported me and who have bought this book. And then I actually went to Barnes & Noble with my friend and I was telling everybody in the store. <laughs> I was like, listen, do you like fantasy novels? And, like, and this girl was in the fantasy aisle, this poor girl. I walked up to her and I was like, hi. And she was like, hi. And I said, do you like fantasy? And knowing she was in the fantasy aisle, she was like, I do. And I was like, do you know that I just put a book out? And she was like, no, I didn't. But congratulations. And I was like, thank you. I was like, you know, you might really like it. I said, let me pull up the synopsis for you to read. <laughs> and so she, I pulled up the synopsis for her. And she actually went up to the center of the desk and bought the book right there. You are something else. So you're doing all right. I'm doing okay. It, it is hard, you know, trying to get it out there. It, you know, I was told by many people, you know, the hardest part is going to be building a readership. That's going to be your hardest part. And I was like, look, not only am I funny, but I'm determined. That there's there's no greater combination. I'm hoping to uh, eventually get like maybe a couple small book signings. Okay. Definitely. I've got some stuff planned on social media with Fulton Books. I know that they've and uh, Snow Tree Media. They've been great helping me out. Uh, they've made like a Facebook page, Instagram, and they're making me a, they're helping me make a Pinterest. And I've got like a book trailer. So um, people I work with have been more than willing to buy a book. And I keep telling them like, hey, you buy a paperback book, I'll sign it. There you go. 
And they're like, okay. And I'm, I'm like, yeah. So my best friend in this entire world, he got a, he got one of my um, 10 free copies, one of my 10 free signed copies. And he <laughs> bought a copy for his sister. Great. All right, Olivia, I'll tell you, I can, I can feel your enthusiasm seeping through the phone. I hope so. I really do. I, I, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. I really can't. Well, hang in there and just don't give up. I won't. And I'll talk to you when the next one comes out. Yes, ma'am. All right. The Percy Jackson series, a popular book series for middle schoolers, is what inspired T.R. Palachek to start writing when she was just 10 years old. Now she's published her first book, Daughters of the Light, book one of the Aluminium Trilogy. Tell me about this book series. Um, it's about this kid of the same name, Percy Jackson, uh, and he finds out that he that the Greek gods are real and he's the child of one. And so it's kind of a story just like how he navigates his life from that point. Um, Daughters of Light was actually, I've had this idea of at least like Ruth the character in my head for a very long time. It kind of just developed as I, like as I became a teenager and then I became a young adult. And it really started kind of after I got into, like I read, like I said, the Percy Jackson books and like Harry Potter. And I knew I was drawn to these like magical worlds that are like parallel to our normal world. And I wanted to write something like that. And I was raised in a religious household. So I kind of was always exposed to this story of like angels and demons. And like, it was always just very fascinating to me because we didn't know a lot about them. And it grew from there a little bit. Angels and demons. I mean, just those two words. Don't they just bring about endless images in your mind? Angels yeah, exactly. And, you know. <laughs> so tell me what the book's about. So my main character is, uh, her name is Ruth Langford. Uh, and when the story starts, she's waking up from a coma that she's been in for five years. And she doesn't remember what brought her into the coma or anything. And she wakes up and she is... 27 years old and she's married to this guy she doesn't remember and she's just trying to piece together her life and she also figures out that like the world of angels and demons is very real and it's existing around her and there is some involvement that she has in it and finds out that she is the daughter of an angel and the devil and she kind of is just her whole inner conflict is kind of trying to like balance the the light and the darkness that she's like the powers that she's gotten from her parents um and just trying to figure out how to navigate that um and it gets kind of out of hand <laughs> it's their magic like when you say powers what kind of powers does she have yeah so it kind of starts whenever her emotions get out of hand and she gets like angry she can like create earthquakes oh. um and she lives in san francisco so it like kind of makes sense that she makes that she creates a lot of earthquakes because that's a very um active spot <laughs> um a quakey kind yeah, of place exactly uh so she's responsible for the earthquakes that are happening. Yeah, exactly. And it takes place in the 1930s. Uh, and she was born in uh, the midst of like the great San Francisco earthquake. And basically in this story, she's the one that like set it off kind of. 
Does she live forever? Does she live in present time? Yeah. So she she does have like they're called like celestials. So she does have celestial um, blood. So she is technically immortal, um, and she does eventually make it to like present day time. What fun you must have had creating this. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of research, a lot of imagination. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely a blast. Um, I did try to like make everything as like historically as possible. And yeah, like events like the Great San Francisco earthquake. Uh, and then I have like a little cameo of her meeting uh, like John Steinbeck in the city. Um and having a conversation with him very briefly while he's in San Francisco trying to become an, a writer himself. Um, so, yeah, just fun little things like that that are kind of nods to our history. That's great. I mean, you sound like you'd be really interesting, you know, at an open mic or a library where people are talking about their books and author talk. True. Yeah, I have been trying to do a little bit on like social media and telling the people like a lot of my coworkers and family and friends stuff like that so far about the book um I am definitely looking into trying to do some like author events at my local bookstores so that is something I definitely be interested in and you have the time to dedicate to that yeah, I think when it's your craft uh, and the thing you want to do for your life, you make time for it. So so this is what you want to do for the rest of your life. You want to be a writer. Yes. My dream job is just a full-time writer. I want to have like 20 books published and yeah, <laughs> that's my dream. Well, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. With your dream. Are all three of your books done? No. So I'm currently working on the second one. Um, okay. The second story is kind of proving a little bit more difficult than the first one's right. The first one was really easy peasy. I got it out in like six months. Um, and the, fir the second one I've been working on for like a year and a half now. <laughs> uh, so I am almost done with that one. And then I'm going to start working on the third one. Are you getting any feedback as you go along? Yeah, so I do have a few people in my life, like very close friends that are avid readers um, and just read pretty much the same genres that I write uh, that have been really helpful in providing me feedback, especially in places where I'm feeling stuck or I don't know if this feels like, like for major things like the like plot issues, like they help me with that. Um, my husband has also been very helpful in like uh, kind of picking apart like the characters and being like, uh, just helping me figure out like what makes more sense for them. And the people that I typically send my, uh, my, my writing to in my personal life, they are writers themselves. Um, That's huge. Yeah, they definitely help me get out of like ruts and stuff. And I could not have finished even the first story without their help. So all right, big shout out to the writers in your life. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, good luck. And um, maybe I'll talk to you when you get that second one published. Yeah, I would love to have another conversation with you. All right. You have a great day. Thank you so much. You too. From our was thinking about it, but never got around to a department. We have Tom Micah, head of business development for a software company and a man with a very big heart to talk about his book that he's dedicated to his little girl entitled Lindsay Smiles.
It's a story about the Smiles family. They are moving back to the hometown of Mr. and Mrs. Smiles and the town that Lindsay was born in. Lindsay is in fourth grade. She's 10 years old. Lindsay was born with Down syndrome. And the book is written in memory of my daughter, who was born with Down syndrome and who passed away when she was eight months old. So that, that, that was the background of the book that I've been thinking about for years. And I finally put this together. The, you know, the thought process of the book was what would her life have been growing up? So I started with, with this premise of her being a 10-year-old starting a new school in a new town. And of course, she's nervous, but you know her positive attitude and the support she gets from mom and dad, uh, she's going to be okay. Uh, the last name smiles throughout the book continually is the idea that you know, her dad always reminds her, uh, you know, always keep smiling, you know, and, you know, as I put to the book here, uh, always keep smiling. It makes you and all those around you feel better. So the book is about, you know, that positive attitude, you know, even though she was born with Down syndrome, uh, when my daughter passed away 37 years ago, a lot different than today, but the premise back then there that Down syndrome kids very limited what they could do, and you know that's that's proven to be false, as you know nowadays uh, it's very well known that Down syndrome children could do a lot even though they're handicapped, you know, with born with Down syndrome. So to get that message out. You know, I would like, we'll see how this book comes along, but I'd like to write another one where she's now in high school and progress her life and all the things she's been able to accomplish. And one of the things that I wanted to give back is all of the proceeds of this book go to the National Down Syndrome Society. So I'm donating all the proceeds. That's so it's just a, it's just an enlightenment of down syndrome children and kind of giving back. It, it's interesting too. It, it, over the last thirty-seven years, how many more resources they have? Yeah, you know, some of the Down syndrome kids that that I've had dealings with, they're able to live on their own. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot different from my when my daughter was. And my daughter's name was Lindsay. Uh, I used the, you know the name Smiles because the whole theme of the book is to have a positive attitude, Down syndrome, children, and uh, even in their adult, adult years, uh, they're always very upbeat. Yeah. There's always a smile on their face. And that was the, the background of the title of the book. Have you stayed involved with Down syndrome organizations? Uh, back, you know, when my daughter originally passed away over the years, not so much, but I'm going to be retiring from my job at the end of this year, and I'm looking to get back more into uh, volunteerism, being more involved. So rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been in touch with, 
you know, the national Down Syndrome Society, letting them know, you know, all the proceeds will be coming their way. Uh, I've also uh, doing currently doing some work in relations with the Northeast Ohio Down Syndrome Society. So it's a little bit closer to home. So keeping it all there, uh, had a pretty good response since the book went out maybe a couple months ago, just through, you know, my social media of, uh, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, a lot of people that I've known over the years, uh, kind of helping me get the book out into, you know, the marketplace telling the story. That's great, Tom. You're doing a great thing. You really are. I appreciate it. It's coming from the heart. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, you have a great day. Okay. After years of writing for his banking profession, Brad Hayen finally started following his passion for creative writing with his first book, 18 Years Seth, Growing Up in Foster Care in 2021. Now he's published his second book entitled Nellie, which hits very close to home. This story is a biographical fiction story. And so Nellie, uh, the title character, uh, is actually based on my mom who uh, passed away in 2020, uh, and she, in her last few years, uh, she was in the memory care area of a assisted living, living facility, and um, just, she was not the same person the last few years that she, she was, and that frustration uh, with the conflict she'd have with uh, staff members, caregivers, uh, and even other residents and even family members was frustrating to me that uh, she was so misunderstood. And a lot of it was due to uh, her uh, memory issues and diseases. So, Yeah, that's that, that, that had to be really hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was. So the story unfolds with her struggling um, there in the center. Um, she's having a conflict with the other main character, uh, one of the caregivers named Audrey. And, uh, you know, they're both not happy with, with the situation. Uh, Audrey's struggling with a very difficult person and Nellie's struggling with what's going on in her mind and in her world, which is completely different than what she's uh, ever had in her life. And so that conflict uh, comes to a head um, when Nellie ends up passing away and uh, Audrey, the caregiver, goes to her funeral. And then at the funeral, she learns a little bit about uh, the person that Nellie was. And it just kind of triggers um, an emotion with Audrey that wow, I did not really understand her and she was really an amazing person. And I'm, and so that self-discovery starts helping her in her own life. Um, she has uh, lost a husband to suicide and is struggling with a rebellious teen. And that's how the story kind of unfolds. And so Nellie's life ends up helping her uh, recover her life. I would characterize uh, Nellie as uh, cantankerous. Uh, if a fellow resident, one interaction is a resident hits her walker um, with her walker and they have an interaction, uh, 
Nellie has a conflict with Audrey, the caregiver, about getting up in the morning and and then uh, having some incontinence issues. And, you know, they just both despise the interaction. So, Well, if they, you know, had so much conflict in their relationship, what made her come to the funeral? So the uh, my write-in, the uh, director of uh, the facility, um, had the idea to have a good portion of the staff members go to the funeral uh, as a learning exercise. And little did she know that the impact it would have on Audrey. It did have some impacts on some of the other caregivers, but especially uh, Audrey. So the uh, going to the funeral was a very important part of, of that discovery. Was this difficult for you to write? I mean, emotionally? Um, yes, it was. Uh, yes and no. Uh, so my mom passed away of COVID um, while she was in the memory care area. And it was at the height of COVID. And so we were unable to give her a funeral. And so one part that I absolutely enjoyed was being able to write in a funeral scene for her uh, with wonderful stories, of, you know, that that I was able to add my brother, uh, the grandkids, uh, and friends. And so that was therapeutic for me. Uh, the rest of it, um, there, there are some moments that was tough, um, but there's enough fiction in it that uh, the creative part was made it enjoyable as well. Is it difficult for you to talk about? No, actually, uh, I've enjoyed talking with that. Um, one goal that I had for this book was uh, for anybody that knew Nellie, my mom, uh, that they would enjoy reading it. But to, to market this book, I also wanted it to be uh, something that anyone, uh, even if they didn't know my mom, would enjoy reading. And I think I accomplished that with this book. Uh, I think the majority of the people in, the, in this world have either had a, a parent or a grandparent who has changed as they've aged. And so if you've uh, endured that in your life and felt that frustration of their lives just not being quite what they used to be, uh, I think this is a story that will resonate with them. What kind of person was she? She was a first grade teacher um, for her career. And she was uh, somebody that was involved in everything. Uh, she was a volunteer uh, for um, my uh, scouting, for my baseball teams, our sporting events, uh, any uh, school function. She was the PTA person. You name it, she was the neighborhood mom. Uh, she would do all those type of things. And so as she, even as she got older and I got older, she would be the Sunday school teacher, just involved in absolutely everything she could get involved with. And so as she got into the assisted living facility and then loses her vehicle and her ability to, to socialize, uh, that frustration really took a lot of her importance away from her and that it, that lack of involvement. Uh, and that was, I think, the big source of struggle for her. It was just more personality change where she was just a little bit more angry, uh, forgetful, uh, yeah. those type of things. Wow, what a tribute to her.
Yeah, I think she'd be proud of this story yeah. for sure. So have you had any book readings? Um, I did. I have had a couple of uh, sessions with uh, some book clubs where I've went and they've been able to ask me questions. And then I'm working on uh, some book signings with a couple of local bookstores as well um, and still working on the rest of my marketing plan. So I'm looking forward to it and uh, getting some really good reviews by both people that knew my mom and otherwise. So it's really encouraging me to get this book out there. Good for you. So uh, I think social media is a big part of that. And uh, I need to, to learn all the aspects of it. And so I'm talking with my one of my son-in-laws who has a marketing degree, and he's more of the uh, uh, in the social media realm. So I, I'm working with him on that. I know hashtagging uh certain things like Alzheimer's, dementia, aging, assisted living facilities can can kind of bring this to a, a target market. Um, and um, I've also uh, given a few uh, free copies of this book to uh, some local uh, assisted living facilities. I think it's uh, one that uh, if I was an executive of an assisted living facility, uh, I would want my staff to read this story. I think it, it has a good lesson for the workers. Um, and uh, so that's kind of the, the main aspects of it. I do think book clubs is, is one. Uh, the book club I talked to, I absolutely loved the story. And uh, you know, they were going to share it with some other people that they knew. So I think book clubs is another thing that I that I need to get behind. So, you know, getting it out to a bigger audience as far as, you know, it's a big, big country out there. And I, I need to do a little bit better of getting it to some other areas um, outside of where I live here in Wichita. So that's that's what I need to do. Well, it sounds like you're on your way. It really does. Yeah. So best of luck to you. Keep writing. You going to keep writing? Yeah, I, I do have a, a thought of a new book. I, uh, I'm very busy with my uh, banking career, but uh, we just went through an acquisition with uh, BMO Bank. And so I've been extremely busy there, but I do have my next book in mind. So that um, we will get to work on that here shortly. All right. I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate your time. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm Alice Stockton Rossini. We hope to see you back here every Saturday night at 8 o'clock or listen to our podcast anytime on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, just to name a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.